We are on with District Attorney Steve Kunzweiler and want to talk about the infamous crossbow killer case. I had never actually heard of this until this week when I saw news that this guy might get paroled. I started looking into the history of it. Um, now we know, as of late yesterday, he will not be paroled. So, Mr. Kunzweiler, let's just back up to what happened in the early 1980s with this case. This gentleman is um, in prison for first-degree murder, but... Uh, I guess there's some question as to whether or not he's the actual killer. What do you know about this? Yeah, so uh, obviously anybody who, who's lived in Tulsa for a, a, a considerable amount of time, this would have to be, in my opinion, the most notorious murder in the history of Tulsa County. Uh, this guy, uh, former police officer, had plotted to kill the victim, uh, had made admissions and, and statements to multiple people of his desire to kill her, had uh, admitted that he had, in fact, stalked her to the point of setting up and, and shooting her, but was interrupted in his plan and then ultimately decided instead of shooting her, was going to use a crossbow. So he went and bought a crossbow and went so far as to um, uh, the bolt or the arrow that's used in, in the crossbow acquired uh, a tip that uh, would allow the injection of poison. Uh, and, and lo and behold, here she gets shot and killed ultimately with a crossbow with a poison tip dart. And, and her death was an anguishing death. Uh, uh, he is the only person who claims that he's not the guy who pulled the trigger. But every piece of objective evidence uh, points directly at him as being the person responsible for her death. And so uh, he, he was sentenced to prison, and that's where he should remain. And so obviously it came as a great uh, point of frustration for my office that uh, when we were arguing in front of the Pardon and Parole Board, the members of that board apparently were persuaded by whatever he had to say to them to uh, justify an early release. And so we made known not only to the Parole Board uh, our opposition uh, the victims certainly articulated their their opposition to it, and then we uh, articulated to the governor's office that uh, you know this is not the guy that should be getting a, a a early release out for the just the depraved nature of this homicide. And so I'm very grateful, at least to the governor, that he heard the voices of. Uh, uh, the DA's office and uh, the victim's twin sister and ultimately uh, made a decision, which I think is a wise decision to not let this guy out on parole. I'm looking at a paragraph here in the investigative report. It's the final be the final piece. It says investigator recommendation, considering his age and primarily positive institutional record, parole is recommended. Now, in this same document, if I look up a little further, there was apparently an incident not long after he went to prison where he... Uh, was maybe planning to kill someone else? Right. So, you know, from our, our perspective, uh, you know, there are just some people that, you know, I like I've asked in many different cases to jurors, you know, when do you want this guy as your next door neighbor? That's the most relevant question. Do you want somebody who, who plots and, and, and connives and strategizes and stalks a victim, when do you want that guy as your next-door neighbor? So, you know, I, it never surprises me that there are some folks who can do well in prison and thank God that they can because I certainly don't trust them without that supervision outside the walls of the prison. So, um, 
from my perspective, uh, we are always going to be opposing any release of people like this, especially this guy. Michelle Powers is the victim. As I understand it, she was in a custody dispute and Mr. Stoller knew her boyfriend and then there was a third party involved. Those fellows, uh, I guess, were initially charged but acquitted. Is it surprising to you and is it unfortunate that there weren't more people convicted in this case? Well, you know, those, those are things that predate my time in the office. Uh, you know, you do what you can with the evidence you got, but uh, I'll, I'll just go with the, the facts that I do, I do know of. This is the guy who had the relationship, who was familiar with the victim and had d- taken every single step up to the point uh, where she was killed. His version uh, he, he claims he's not the trigger puller, but every, like I said before, every single objective piece of evidence puts that crossbow in his hands, and and he is deservedly behind bars in prison. And I'm grateful to our governor that he did not release him. Well, I know the just from some quotes I've seen. I haven't personally spoken to anybody, but it seems that the victim's family is pretty grateful to your office because if not for your intervention, it looks like he would have been out today, possibly. Yeah, uh, I've got uh, a pretty good homicide unit and uh, Assistant District Attorney John Jeardsma, uh and and Matt Kehoe. Both of those men uh, worked overtime to to put together everything that we could to coordinate our efforts to make sure the governor's office was fully informed. I, I have no idea where he's getting his information from the parole board or how the governor's office receives it, but. Uh, I'm glad he at least listened to our voice and the voice of the victim because I think the right decision was made in the end. All right. Looks like he's got another uh, opportunity in three years. What's your gut feeling on what will happen then? We're going to be there at the same and making the same argument. There's just some people who should who should spend the rest of their life in prison, and Mr. Stoller is at the top of our list. All right. District Attorney Steve Coonsweiler, appreciate your time. Thank you, sir.